ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Monday, November 30th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true great taste. It's only 96 calories. That's why it's the original light beer. Hope you guys had a great holiday weekend. Thanksgiving, of course, followed by several days of football. I know some of you probably had to watch the dog show, the parade, all that other stuff. But, yeah, we had football. We had really good football, and then we had some really mediocre football. And then there's the Cincinnati Bengals ripping my heart out yet again. I swore to myself I would not get invested in that game. I would not do it, and then they had a chance to win it. And then I got invested. And then the Bengals did what they usually do, found a way to lose. So Bengals football not feeling good right now. And high school football, not feeling good right now in the state of West Virginia. So on Saturday, we're waiting for the map. That has become the weekly ritual where we wait for the Saturday map that comes out that determines if football can be played. And the map comes out, and it's determined that you can't play the games. So you can't play the games. And that means there's no Sunday game next week because the championships were before that. And so the WVSSAC comes out with a statement a little bit later on after the map and says that there's no Super 6. It's done not having it this week and declared winners for each classification, and that was South Charleston in Class AAA, the, the last team standing as far as the map would have been concerned. Fairmont Senior in Class AA, and St. Mary's in Class Single A. Now, this did not go over well with anyone in the state of West Virginia as far as high school football is concerned, except, of course, South Charleston, Fairmont Senior, and St. Mary's. While they all talk a good game, they're not sorry. They're the champs now. South Charleston's not giving it back. South Charleston's not going to, in this grand display, say, you know what? No, we can't accept this. We're not the Class AAA champions. That's not happening. Fairmont Senior, Class AA, same thing. They're not just going to hand this thing back and say, you know what? You're right. We didn't win it on the field. We would like to have won it on the field, so we can't in good, good faith take this. No, they're the Class AA champions. And St. Mary's, same thing in Class A. Nobody's giving anything back. So here's what the statement that was released said. We have been consistent in following the rules as per the WVDE Saturday map for football as well as for all other fall sports championship events. And this is WVSSAC Executive Director Bernie Dolan. He said this in the news release. Also, the release read, we held an emergency board meeting this evening, and this was on Saturday, with our board of directors to discuss the situation and the votes were unanimous to stay consistent in our decision-making. The vote was unanimous, the release says, to stay consistent. And I think that's the best thing that the WVSSAC could do because all of a sudden you start changing the rules even more and say, you know what, we're going to make an exception here. We didn't make an exception for everybody else, but we're going to make an exception here. 
maybe the best thing to do would have been to schedule this thing differently. Of course, I thought this entire high school football season was so hit and miss. It was a comedy of errors almost. This week you can play. This week you can't. And there's not really going to be testing. You're not going to be able to test all these high school teams. And you can tell me that, you know, what happens to the community doesn't necessarily impact what happens with the football team. And you might have an argument there. But I understand where the state's coming from, where the WVSSAC is coming from, trying to make sure that you're mitigating, you're trying to follow the practices and procedures. I just think it was set up to fail, to be honest with you. I think the SSAC is correct. Consistent in following the rules, following the map, following the guidelines that were set forth. I just think this thing was set up to fail. The way it was conceived, the way that it was executed, there's no winner here. Of course, you have three champions now. They're, they're the champs, and the record books will reflect that they're the champions. They'll have a trophy and everything. This thing, though, was just set up to fail. I don't know how you could have done it better in West Virginia without reworking how you went about these metrics here. Testing, that's going to be hard to do. How can you afford the test? These smaller schools, they can't afford the test. How do you do this then? Some of the bigger communities, I'm sure, you could test more op, yeah, more often, but that's part of the problem. You could not test these kids. So how do you do this? Maybe you look at what some of the other states have done look at what they were able to come up with and apply that here. Because right now, what you have is a lot of disappointed kids, a lot of disappointed fans, and you have a year where champions were declared without a championship game being played. Totally set up to fail. And that's where we're at with high school football and high school athletics in the state of West Virginia. And, of course, the pandemic does continue, and so Charlotte – making the announcement that it's canceled the game with Western Kentucky on Tuesday. We had Tuesday Conference USA football. I was looking forward to it. And so East Division showdown between Charlotte and Western Kentucky canceled as a result of COVID-19 testing within the 49ers program. Remember, this game was pushed back. It was going to be played on the 28th pushed back to December 1st so it could get played, and unfortunately not the case. So now, Charlotte, their next game, home against FIU. That's set for Saturday, December 5th. That's going to be a noon game. Don't know what's going to happen there. That's going to be determined. You've got some upcoming tests from both sides, so that's going to be determined here in the next few days. And on the Marshall front, and we'll hear from Doc Holliday in a few minutes. On the Marshall front, the Thundering Herd scheduled to play Rice this week at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. That is still on schedule as of right now. As of this moment, that game is going to happen. And we'll hear from Doc Holliday in a few minutes talk about that fact and getting ready for this game. The Herd's been off a couple of weeks. Marshall still undefeated, still doing well in the Associated Press and the coaches poll We'll have the playoff committee's rankings coming out tomorrow, so we'll find out what they think of the herd. I don't think Marshall moves if any position. I don't know if you see the committee go, well, 
all right, a couple teams have lost. We move the herd up. I don't know if it works that way with them. We'll see if the herd maintains their ranking with the college football playoff committee. We'll talk all about that tomorrow, but we have Doc Holliday when we continue. Later on, we're going to preview Marshall's next matchup, taking on Wright State and look back at the Herd's victory, the season opener against Arkansas State. The Red Wolves came to Huntington and lost. We'll talk about that and preview the next matchup later on. Your phone calls as well, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Twitter, at Paul Swan. You can find me there. We appreciate you finding me on Twitter and then following me on Twitter. More to come. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Thundering Herd moving up in the Associated Press and the Amway Coaches Poll. 15 now. Marshall playing host to Rice on Saturday noon, Jones C. Edwards Stadium. This game's going to be Senior Day as well for the Thundering Herd. Senior Day, that's kind of an interesting concept since there's a lot of options here for the kids to come back so senior day for the thundering herd marshall getting set for rice and we've seen games already canceled in conference usa charlotte against western kentucky that game canceled postponed whatever you want to call it i know they're trying to reschedule games running out of time here but one thing is certain at least of this very moment marshall set to play a game against rice We'll talk about that with Doc Holliday in a moment, but as Doc always does during his press conferences, he likes to set the stage, and he announced this week's game captains and sets the stage for the game against Rice. Captains for this week will be uh, Knox and Millett on offense and uh, Nazi and Beckett on defense. And uh, as you know, it's like a broken record here. It sounds like we're you know, preparing for first games again, but in essence, we are. I mean, it's been going on third week for us again that uh, we hadn't had the opportunity to play until this weekend against a Rice team that doesn't have a lot of games out there. So, uh, you know, we'll just take what we've got and continue to prepare and, and looking forward to finally getting to play again here on Saturday. And it's nice to be at home. You know, our crowd's been great all year, and I'm sure they're going to show up this Saturday like they have the entire year, and 12,500 will sound like. 25,000, that's what we need, so we're looking forward to it. So the game is scheduled to be played. There's no indication, at least as this show airs, that that game's off. And that was a question asked at Doc earlier. So Doc says that this game is happening and the herd's getting ready to play. Well, somebody told me that I guess their coach said uh, yesterday or whatever they had zero positives and zero <laughs> so. I don't know why it wouldn't take place. You know, I think it should. And uh, I know from our perspective, we're, we got a Tuesday practice today and, and uh, we're good to go. So we're getting ready to start meetings here in about an hour and we'll do what we do every week is prepare for them. And, and uh, you know, Mike, he's, he's, he's an excellent coach, does a great job with those guys. They're a very physical team that, uh, you know, you got a transfer quarterback in there that's, uh, you know, doing a nice job for them. And they play extremely hard on defense. And like I say, they're very physical. So. Um, knowing him and the kind of coach he is, the kind of person he is, uh, I'm sure they'll show up here. 
So Rice is coming to Huntington. You've got a home game coming up this weekend. We'll have the broadcast right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, one of the questions that was asked to Doc, we've gone through a unique situation here. It's been quite interesting to see how this football team has held it together, got a handle on its business, and dealt with the adversity. Now, there's adversity and then there's adversity. This is dealing with things that are out of your control. You can't control if a team comes to Huntington. You can't control if a team opts out due to COVID-19. But that's not really a concern for the Thundering Herd. Doc talked about that and just the, the situation that this team has been in all year long. And he talked about how he tells his kids to control what they can control. Well, I mean, we just kind of, you know, we've – you know, from day one, you heard me say a thousand times is, you know, control, we can control, you know, and uh, I think our guys have done a nice job of doing that. And, you know, I think, you know, the one thing, and, and you got to get, get a lot of credit, and I don't know how about you, our kids are unbelievable. I mean, these kids have been here since May 20th and hadn't left campus, you know, and I mean, he's got people going, and, and the teams that send their kids home for Thanksgiving have had problems. You know, our kids, you know, they understood they couldn't do that. They couldn't leave or we would have problems as well. So, you know, that being said, you know, we just uh, you got to give them a lot of credit. They deserve all the credit in the world. And, you know, we've done something with them just about every day we possibly could to try to keep them around us. And I think to me is I think the one thing that as a coach you got to try to do right now is you got to keep these kids around you as much as you can, you know, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we yeah, keep them close and make sure they understand and they understand the importance of it. But I mentioned to you before the leadership and the accountability of our players have got to go so much go into it because once they leave us, you know, they got to make sure they're doing the right thing. So, you know, we're not perfect and we don't sure nobody has all the answers in today's world. I can assure you that, but uh, you know, our kids deserve a lot of credit. I think the one thing they have done is they've gone to work every day and work to get better as a team. Let's move on to rice. They're a tough team. You remember how tough they play. Doc remembers how tough they play. You would think a program like Rice this year, with all its adversity, wouldn't be a team you really would worry about, but that's not what's on Doc Holliday's mind. He did talk about this team, just what makes them so tough to play. He's expecting a tough contest when they come in to Huntington. Here's what he says about what makes them so difficult. Yeah, they played. I mean, they've, they've played everybody tough, to be honest, and uh... – you know, even going in even last year. And uh, I think the biggest difference, number one, they've got a bunch of kids that love to play. You know, you watch them play, they play extremely hard. That's where it all starts. You know, they're extremely well coached. Uh, you know, Mike does a great job of coaching those guys on both sides of the ball. Their special teams are, are doing a great job. And, you know, I think the one thing they're a little different this year is they've, they've got that transfer quarterback in there that's giving them some stability at the quarterback position. And, you know, he can make all the throws. You know, you watch him. They got that tremendous receiver that just uh, does a great job, and and that quarterback, uh, he he can make all the throws, and he's kept them in, in every game they've played. Doc expanded talking about that wide receiver play. He says it's going to be pretty challenging. No, no doubt, two excellent receivers. Now they got they're a little different. Last year they had that kid that was about six 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 seven kid that was a problem in the red zone. But these two kids are very athletic. They can run. Uh, they can make plays in space and. And those, both of them are, are both excellent receivers that uh, we got to be aware of and be able to be able to match up with them and uh, and be able to handle it. Now there is one thing that Marshall can take advantage of, and that's on the Rice offensive side of the ball. 
they have a tendency. They like to fumble the ball. Well, I don't know if they like to fumble it, but they do fumble it. So there's a tendency there for Rice to maybe not be able to hang on to the ball. And that's something Marshall's been pretty good about, taking over a game. Defenses come up big. Takeaways are important for the Thundering Herd. And Doc talks about that. Not necessarily are they preparing more for that, but that's something they already work on. And this is going to be something they focus on as this game progresses. Yeah, turnovers play a big part of every game. You know, and fortunately for us, I think we're leading the league in turnover margin. And and, uh, that's part of the reason we're having success we have because offensively it always starts with taking care of the football. If you can do that, you got a shot. And so the turnover battle in any any game you play is going to be a big part of that game. So don't turn the ball over. Win the turnover battle. Take care of what you can take care of. Pretty much standard Doc Holliday stuff, but at the same time, it's worked so far. 7-0 for the Thundering Herd, 4-0 in conference, back into conference play on Saturday, taking on Rice. And then after that, we'll see. I'm crossing my fingers we can get this season completed because if Marshall can just keep on winning, uh, there is uh, no reason why Marshall would not be hosting the Conference USA Championship here and a couple of weeks. We're going to step aside for the news, and then when we come back, we will talk Marshall basketball. Dan D'Antoni gets the victory opening up the 2020-21 season with a win over Arkansas State, the Red Wolves. We'll talk about it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our phone lines this hour brought to you by Miller Light at 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Miller Light, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Thundering Herd with the victory in basketball. Opening up the season, 1-0. 70-56 win over the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Seemed like it went off well, Cam Henderson Center. It was a little different if you watched it. On CUSA TV, you listen to it. Of course, you really couldn't maybe get the details as well as watching it. The spacing was different. The benches have moved, so the spacing of the players are, you know, quite different. The protection of everyone on that court was paramount, making sure that there was a certain level you could not reach the court. I like that. I've always thought the court level should be uh, difficult to get to. And I know the way the Henderson Center is built and designed. You've got the big green room. You've got you know, so many access points. I always thought the court level should be off limits. And so I kind of like that. I don't know if that's going to be the way in the future, but something to think about. The victory itself, good start for the herd. A little closer in the first than the second. Marshall going into the half, 29-22. It was a fun game to watch. 41-34 was the second half scoring to give Marshall a 70-56 victory. You look at how the Thundering Herd did it. Uh, Field goals in that first half, 13-31 for 41.9%. Second half, they were 16-35, 45.7%. So for the game... Marshall shot 29 of 66 to give the Thundering Herd a shooting percentage of 43.9%. Three-pointers, 2 of 13 in that first half. You know, shooters are going to shoot, try to find that shot. 
15.4% for the herd. Second half, 3 of 12 from the three-point line. 25% there for the game, 5 of 25. That's 20% shooting. Again, shooters are going to shoot, try to find that shot. Free throws, not many opportunities. Made the most of it, 50% in that first half, 1 of 2. Second half, 6 of 7, 85.7%. So for the game, Marshall shot 7 of 9, 77.8%. Andrew Taylor, 9 points. Jared West. Now let's, um, let's look at what Jared did. 9 points, 4 of 11. He was 1 of 5 from the three-point line. Had two rebounds, both on the defensive side. Had eight assists. Three turnovers, but five steals. And we're going to get into that with him here in a minute as far as what that means to him. He's getting closer to the all-time record, but he got five in this game. I'm sure he would like to have a few more just to go ahead and get the record and then keep building on that. But he was a key player in this game. Tavion Kenzie, of course, leading the way in scoring with 17 points. He was 7 of 11. He had one three, missed that. Made three of four free throws, had seven rebounds, three assists. He had one turnover, one block, one steal. So he had a good night. 17 points, pretty good to start things out. Darius George, 15 points. He was perfect from the field, six of six. Also hit all three of his free throws, had five rebounds, so 15 points there. He was out there for 21 minutes. And you look at those guys and you see some veteran leadership out there and you see some guys who have gone through it. Uh, Jansen Williams is out there 21 minutes and he's got to get that shot going. One of eight. He hit one of five from the three-point line, but he was working the glass. He had five rebounds. He was also blocking shots, which was good for him. Had a couple of turnovers, had an assist. So 21 minutes. I hope he gets a shot back because one of eight, he can do better. And you look at some of these guys. Little rusty. Don't want to use that as an excuse, but still just a little rusty out there. They hadn't played. They hadn't really scrimmaged. They hadn't had an exhibition game. They haven't had anything as far as a normal buildup to the season. Even in this COVID-19 pandemic era, they still didn't have a normal buildup inside of this because they had to shut down a couple of times. So what did Dan D'Antoni think when asked the question what he saw? What was good? What was bad? Here's his response. Uh, defensive positioning was really good uh, for the most part. Uh, we have to get, we'll have to get better at um, uh, Jansen and Mike uh, understanding that they have to do all their work early. They can't lay back because that 215 pounds, they get buried deep or they get in trouble. But if they, they're quick enough, both of them are quick enough, long enough that uh, we just step up and we showed them two or three times that, look, y'all got to step up. And if you can, y'all can hold those positions down. If not, we're going to get in trouble. So, uh, or we got Iron and Gorin sitting back in there. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll they'll get. I thought that was the weakest part of our defense uh, in that area. Offensively, um, you know, Bean is still learning. He doesn't quite understand. You can't halfway do something, and that I don't mean effort. What I mean is start to go pick and roll and then stop, or start to cut and then stop. 
And those are the things you can't do in our offense. It uh, bogged us down a little bit, but uh, he's a quick learner. Uh, it's not something that you wouldn't expect for a freshman. Uh, but uh, uh, overall, pretty decent. Didn't shoot the ball well. We got to shoot better five of 20. I, I don't understand. We get in practice and they knock them down. So five of 20, you know, 20 shots is not too many in my estimation. Uh, we've got to make a better percentage of them. We should be making eight or nine of them. So that's the head coach's impression of how things went that first game. Now, the game this week, Wright State, Thundering Herd on the road for this one. Again, we're in a situation here where you don't know too much about a team. There hasn't been really any exhibition games. Everybody's starting out either with a game or waiting to play a game. So not much about this edition of Wright State, but... Dan did talk a little bit about what he knows and what he expects when he plays Wright State. Well, they won the league last year, a regular season. Uh, they're predicted to win it again this year. They lost a couple of scores, but they have a good number back. Uh, they should be strong. Their coach has won 20 wins four years in a row. Good ball club uh, on the road early. It's going to be uh, – a chance to uh, see what you really need to improve upon. Hopefully uh, we can improve upon those things on a victory, not a nail. So you don't know, again, this this season, there's nothing that is as predictable as in the past. I've never come into games with as little preparation and uh, uh, just fine-tuning as, as we have this year. Everybody's in a unique situation here. You're going into these games, and you hope that your game plan is better and you're going to make adjustments. Tavion Kinsey spoke on this subject last week. The team that adjusts first is going to win that game, and that was the case for the Thundering Herd with Arkansas State. Now, Jared West, he's a guy that goes in, studies film, prepares probably harder than anyone else. Here's his early impressions of the opponent, Wright State. I know they got a big guy that's supposed to be pretty good. That's about it. Um, I know they they traditionally, in like the last couple of years, have had good teams in the horizon, though. Like they've won a lot of games. So I know that they've got a good program, and I'm, I know they're going to be well coached. I know they have some good players. So um, it's not going to be an easy game, especially on the road. So. Um, they're gonna and they're gonna bring it. I know. I think they're coming off a quarantine. But I, I, I'm expecting them to still bring it and play hard. So we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do. Jared West, he's a player that we've watched for a few years, and he is a guy that he's known to hustle. Early on, you look at his offensive output, and you're like, "This guy's not bringing it to the hoop." Well, then you start really paying attention to his game, and you you smack yourself. Or even thinking that because right now, nine points in that first game, eight assists. Those are points. Five steals. Turnovers are key. Turnovers add to more opportunities. Deny a team an opportunity. He's doing so much differently. And as a defense, Jared thought that the team did play well on defense against Arkansas State. Um, I thought defensively we did a really good job. I thought we made it hard. 
with their guys, um, especially we didn't know a whole lot about um, like a lot of their guys, but we knew they had the two guards that were uh, coming back from last year. And I feel like we did a really good job. Not only did we like hold them to a low field goal percentage and make it hard for them to score, I think we forced a lot of – we forced some turnovers too. And I feel like that – yeah, they had 18 turnovers. So I feel like that really – we had 11 steals. And I feel like that kind of was a momentum changer for us, especially in the second half. I feel like that's kind of when we made our run. We got a couple steals, got a couple runouts for dunks and stuff like that. And I feel like that changed the whole like flow and momentum of the game. So I think defensively did a really good job. Yeah, they did a pretty good job on defense. And also, the dunks were fun. Dunks are always fun. You cannot deny. If you're dunking a lot on a team, you're having a good day. Unless they're just leaving you wide open because they're having a good day too. But dunks are fun. Defense is what Jared West is all about. You see how he plays, approaches the game. He hustles. You know that if he's on you, you've got to bring a lunch pail because you're going to be there all day and all night working. So you better bring a lunch, pack something, because it's not going to be easy. And that's something that Jared really likes about his game. That's something Jared likes to be associated with. He really likes to hang his hat on the way he plays defense. Well, the good thing for me is defense was never optional for me growing up. So it's kind of something that, I just like to hang my hat on and uh, and really everything that I do. So, um, you know, obviously Coach Dan is really good with the offense and spacing and knowing how to get guys shots. He does a really good job of that. And he does a good job with the defensive scheme too. But obviously when you think about Marshall and you think about Coach Dan, you think about offense. That's your first stop for sure. So, um, you know, for me being a defensive guy, I think it's really – I think it's good for our team that I have a defensive mindset, especially being um, an older guy who's been here. I feel like it's easier for the other guys to kind of follow my lead if I bring that mentality and bring that that type of energy and mindset to the defense of them. And um, I feel like it kind of passes through everybody on the team. You know, they see me doing it. They see me playing hard on defense and competing hard. Everybody else does too. And I feel like that makes our team, our team defense really good and overall makes just the team a lot better. That's Jared West leading by example. And he's a guy that he goes out there, he wants to play very hard. He wants to go and win the game. And as you heard, something he's pretty proud of, the way he plays defense. Well, the way he de- he the way he plays defense, he's on the verge of breaking an all-time steals record at Marshall University. And this is a team they don't talk about individual awards. You, you know, most teams that are well-coached, focus on the team more than the individual awards. But this is something pretty special here. It's a record that stood for a long time since the days of Huck's Herd. This is a record that's been a while in the making. And Jared just talks about being on the verge of breaking the all-time steals record at Marshall. Um, It's very humbling, and I'm very grateful and thankful just to be able to play um, being here for four years, I've played a lot of games and I've had a lot of opportunities. So, And I hold, I hang my hat on defense. I'll, I'll take a lot of pride in that. Um, it's a challenge for me. It's something that I enjoy. And I think it's something that really can win games. And that's why it's so important to me. So to, uh, to get the Steelers record would be great, a great accomplishment and a great honor. I'll be very humbled to achieve that. And that is something that I would, you know, try to build on as well. You know, I don't want to just break the record. I want to continue to. Um, get as many steals as possible, get as many defensive stops as possible. 
So, um, but to be to have my name in the record books for uh, steals and for some for that being something that I hang my hat on, that would be a great accomplishment for me. John Elmore might be your all-time leading scorer, but how many of those baskets would he have been denied if um, one Mister Jared West was guarding him all the time? That would have been a one-on-one battle. I would have loved to have seen on a regular basis. One of the best defensive guys at Marshall taking on one of the best all-time offensive leaders at Marshall. That would have been fun. That's a Twitter poll. That's coming up sometime in the near future. Now, on to the game itself. Jared West, he knows that Wright State has some impressive post players, some guys that are going to make it very well known that they want to get into the post, and that's going to be Jared's job keeping Wright State out of the post. Yeah, we got to make it hard. You know, we got we have to help our bigs um, in any way that we can. So we know that Jansen and Mike, Darius, Abina, um, Iron, Gorham, we know that they're going to have to work to, you know, make it hard for them to get into passing into the bigs. They're going to have to box out and bang with their bigs. But at the end of the day, we have to do our job as guards to, to make those entry passes as hard as possible, to slow down the rhythm of the offense, and uh, try to just make them as uncomfortable as possible, make it hard for those guards as much as possible. You know, I feel like that is um, something that we can do consistently to help our bigs out when it comes to the post, especially guys like um, Jansen, Mike, Iron, and Darius, you know, because they play big, but they're not always the biggest guys on the floor. With Iron and Gorn, we have a little bit room for error, but with those guys, we really got to do a good job of, of helping them out by making them uncomfortable and making it hard. One thing is certain, if Jared West is guarding him, you're going to be uncomfortable. No doubt about it. Marshall in action. We're going to cross our fingers, taking on Wright State. We'll have it for you here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Again, look at those numbers. Marshall held Arkansas State the 34.6% in the first half from the field. Second half, uh, they got a little bit better, 41.4% uh, for the game. Arkansas State shot 21 of 55. Uh, Three-point shot was really not a factor for Arkansas State. Free throws, they had 11 of 23. If, if Wright State, I'm sorry, if Arkansas State hits a few more of those, it's a little closer. But with that said, they didn't. Marshall took care of business, wins the game. Again, 70-56, starting out the season, 1-0. and When we continue, we'll get your phone calls in. We'll see what you've been doing on Twitter as well when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue with today's edition of The Drive for this Monday, November 30th on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. Hope your holiday weekend was fantastic. Lots of turkey, lots of leftovers, turkey sandwiches especially. I mean, you think about not just Thanksgiving, but the day after and the day after. And, of course, the turkey sandwiches are always good. And then you can do some maybe turkey and gravy. You can, you can mix that up come up with some sort of concoction there. And, of course, the fixings, the the side dishes. I mean, it's all about the sides. The turkey's the main event. I get that. But the sides are really where it's at. So I hope you had a great 
Thanksgiving, and uh, we're set for another week of Herd Athletics on the radio. Basketball coming up on Thursday, football on Saturday. We'll find out here in a couple of weeks when, when the Thundering Herd will play after the Conference USA Championship game, when and where. But I don't know where it's going to be because right now we're running out of bowls. The Sun Bowl has been canceled. Brett McMurphy, first on the scene reporting this one. The Sun Bowl tied a second longest running bowl game behind only the Rose Bowl. The Sun Bowl had been played 86 consecutive seasons since 1935. So it's the fourth Pac-12 Bowl canceled this year and third with an ACC tie-in. So how will this work? We need to figure this out. How will this work with the bowls that are left? No restrictions this year. So you can pick your matchup. You want a matchup featuring two different teams? There's no restriction this year. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. You just want the name availability here. So Michigan's going to a bowl. You don't know where. Penn State probably going to a bowl. You don't know where. Because you got to fill up your slots. And if you're a team like Liberty, you don't have a tie-in. Think of that. Liberty's having a great year. And if you have a tie-in, you're good. Now, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Marshall getting a bowl slot. That's not going to be an issue because you're going to take, of course, I mean, here's Marshall. Marshall's probably, don't want to sell it just yet, but Marshall's probably going to be your Conference USA champion, or at least playing the championship game. So you're going to get a bowl bid. You're going somewhere, but you don't have to worry about, all right, we got to fill the bowl slots up here. Do we have enough teams? Thing is, a lot of teams that maybe would get a bowl bid this year aren't going to. You could have a great season and not get a bowl bid because you don't have a tie-in. And look at Liberty. Liberty's not affiliated with anyone. So where's the tie-in there? No, you don't get a tie-in. And so there won't be any at-large spots to fill. There won't be, okay, we need to fill this spot because the conference can't fill its obligation, can't fill its uh, requirements here. And the NCAA basically said, okay, Wild Wild West, have at it. We're talking about participation trophies. Uh, I've always thought there were too many bowls. And now we're reducing the number of bowls based on the pandemic. COVID-19 is taking out a lot of bowls and We've just opened it up, though. Anybody can get into a bowl. Just about. What's that mean? That means if you got a bowl tie-in, you're good. If you don't have a bowl tie-in, you're probably, even though you might be deserving, you might not get a spot. That's going to be interesting this year. Again, if you're Marshall, you don't worry about this. Go back to Doc Holliday. You control what you can control. You don't worry about this because you're 7-0. Winning takes care of itself. Another dogism. Control what you control. Winning takes care of itself. Sun Bowl canceled. I mean, come on. Say what you will. It's the Sun Bowl. It's one of the old ones. I like the old games better. I like the old bowl games better. The new ones, not so much. I'm not a big fan of the recent games there's really no heritage history there's no pomp and circumstance to it i mean you play in the rose bowl it's the rose bowl you play in the orange bowl it's the orange bowl you play in the cotton bowl it's the cotton bowl 
You play in the Fiesta Bowl. You play in some of those older, bigger games, more more pomp. I mean, I'm not missing the uh, New Era Pinstripe Bowl. I'm not missing that. And you're not either. Honestly, we could cut maybe half the bowls, but then you look at, well, that's going to deny kids an opportunity to play. And I get that argument completely. This season, though, I I still think it there should be a little merit base to it, just a little. Because what if um, what if you're a team that has a an outstanding season, but you you don't have a bowl tie-in? Well, you don't get to play. You don't get to to play in a bowl. But there could be a team that has a mediocre season, a less than stellar season, and they're playing in a bowl game where you're not. How's that fair? That does it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow, we'll do it all over again here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.